Thank you for the wonderful worship and you guys singing out. It's just, it's a blessing. I, before I get started, I have a special guest. Beth Bascom is going to share um, something for the kids and, of course, the adults. We have a lot to learn from this lesson. So, Beth. Just listen to. So, I found something last night on my door. Can you see it? What is it, Savannah? A moth. Do you remember the kind of moth? Or Kelsey, do you? It's a lunar moth. Lunar refers to the moon. Okay. And I have a story to tell you about a lunar moth. Once there was, and this is a true story, once there was a little girl who, she was seven years old, and some very hard things happened in her life. She was taken away from her mommy without a chance to say goodbye and flown in an airplane to a country where she really didn't speak the language and left there with her grandparents, who loved her very much. But things were hard for her. And she was confused, because she didn't know, understand why things were happening. And she didn't have any words to be able to talk to people and tell them or ask questions. So God did something very special for her. He sent her the gift of his love through a lunar moth. The second night she was there, on the window was this big lunar moth. And her grandmother came upstairs, woke her up, brought her down, and showed it to her. She had never seen anything like that. It was so wonderful. And her grandmother told her through words and actions, that God had sent her the moth to tell her that it was going to be okay, that he loved her, and that he was with her. In God's special book, is God's what God tells in this book always true? Always true. No pretend stories. And in this, there is a promise. It's in Zephaniah. Parents, you might want to think about this. Zephaniah 3, 17. And it says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. And he will quiet you with his love. So when you're feeling scared or confused or something has happened to you that you don't understand and it bothers you, you need to remember that the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save and he will quiet you with his love. And I want to encourage you children and adults, that when something's bothering you, you're scared, you don't understand what's going on or what may happen, 
Remember that God is with you and find someone who you can talk to about it because you do have words that people understand who live around you. Okay, use those words because, and this is a message especially for parents and grandparents, we know that if it can be talked about, it can be handled. So encourage your children to talk to you because when they talk to you, now you can understand what's going on and you can use your words to help them be okay. Okay, the situation might not be okay, but they can be okay. And you can remind them of Zephaniah 3.17, that the Lord your God is with you and he is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with his love and he rejoices over you with singing. Excellent. Thank you, Beth. That was, I'll let you take that moth. Okay, let it go. There's a, there's, a, there's a Disney song, Let It Go, right, I think? Now everybody has that in their head. <laughs> You're welcome. So good morning to you all. And last week we started a series called Back to School, and we talked about math. It was fun, and we talked about bears and donuts and broccoli and all kinds of weird stuff. So if you missed it, I'm sorry, but you can go watch it on the podcast or listen to it. And then I said this week we'd be talking about P.E. How many people love P.E.? Or gym, as we called it in the Northeast. A couple of you, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> because I... I I'm going to start waking up like 20 minutes before I have to be at church because when I wake up early, God tends to put something else on my heart and says, no, you're going to change everything today and you're going to talk about this. So I took a ride this morning early and went to McDonald's and got something bad to eat <laughs> and just sat in my car with my iPad and just started writing things down. So this isn't going to be very, I, I apologize in advance if it doesn't flow, but I'm just going to share with you some of the things that God put on my heart to share with you this morning. And it started with the, with the weather. I was up on the mountain this morning, and it was really foggy up there. And, and I looked, I like to walk up there, and I, I got up there, and I'm like, wow, I can't walk. It's raining, it's a mess, and it's just, it looks dreary, right? That's, that's what we think of when we see the rain, and we see the fog, and it's just, it's just a dreary day. But then God said, well, look more closely at, at what you see out there. And I started looking, and it was really foggy, but every time I looked in a direction, there was an animal standing there. There was a deer, uh, there were squirrels everywhere all the time, and... I was really hoping to see a bear, because I would have just been, but I didn't see a bear. But every time I looked through the fog, I saw a deer or something, and it was really weird. And he goes, well, this, this brings life. Why are you so happy and, and satisfied when, when the days are perfect in, in, in your world? Like, 
when the sun is there. Don't you know that if the sun is always shining and there's never rain, that eventually that will die? Have to bring, I have to bring the rain because the rain brings life. Look around you, all these animals out there are rejoicing in the, in, in, the, in the rain. And look at your lawns. Our lawn has been brown for a long time. And then after a couple instances of rain, it's, it's out of control. So don't, don't look at this through the lens of dreariness, but life. It's life. So I said, okay, that makes sense. You took me all the way up here for this. <laughs> but it can't always be sunny all the time. And, and there's always growth that takes place after the rain, actually very soon after the rain. Whenever we have storms and, and everything that comes in, there's always growth that happens afterwards. Don't curse the rain. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the rains, in the middle of the dreariness that we perceive as dreary, start to prepare for what's coming next because there's growth coming. Are you ready for it? So I started to think about, you know, everything's crazy right now. It, it still is. They keep changing what's going on with the schools, even ours, every week almost. And every Tuesday, I guess, they have a meeting. So we'll see what happens this week. But it's very uncertain. A lot of people don't know what's going on. Um, so God just said, can man stop my will? Can any man stop my will to be done? And that's an obvious answer of no. Well, can man limit what God can do? No. Man can close down an economy. Man can close down a business. Man can close down a school. Man can close down a church. But man cannot limit what God can do despite all of those things. So, for me, I'll just be honest, as a pastor um, and some of our leaders that lead, like we have the youth's going to be having their meeting this Friday. They have to prepare every week, and um, our worship team, our sound people, our loads of love people, our, our ushers and greeters, we all have to still prepare in these uncertain times, and it's, it's a little frustrating, and there's always hanging over our head, well, what if this happens, and what if, because we all, we all hear there's going to be another wave. We've been hearing that forever. And what's that going to look like? And it's, it's stressful enough to do all those things and then pile on this, everything that's going on. For me, it, it's just sometimes my head's always going and going. And almost to the point of worry, I'm not really a worrier, but sometimes it's just, it's just on the top of my head all the time. What, what are we going to be able to do? What can't we do? So God just said, why are you worrying? You just said, that man can't do anything that's going to stop my will. I'm like, okay. All right, you're right, God. That's right. You, you did say that. Then he said this. He said, truth, and this isn't God speaking. It's just me writing stuff down. I, I mean, he was speaking, I guess, but not verbally to me. But I wrote this down. I said, true faith will be restored once again. So that tells me that faith, there's a problem with our faith right now. If it has to be restored, that means it's, it's in disarray right now. And I can see that. I can see how we've wavered. I'm not speaking of anybody individually or even myself, but you can see the world, how it's wavered in the faith of God. And, and most of our trust has been redirected to man 
more than God. And we have more faith in what man can do sometimes than what God can do. Even in churches, you know, what's my church going to do? What's my pastor going to do for us? He said, but I am fully in control. You need to know that I am fully in control of everything. Nothing surprises me. And then, I, and then he said, look at my son. So first I thought, look at the son. It wasn't there. It was, look at my son. So I'm like, all right, Jesus, looking at, what do you mean? What do you mean by look at your son? And I looked at it, and, the, and what was on my mind at the time was, man, what would we do if we were told we had to go back and revert back to no services again? Yeah, we're going to have the live stream, which is going to help, but there's nothing like getting us together and being in the building and worshiping like we are. What, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? And you start to think about, you know, I'm going to say this, um, and I'm not passing judgment at all, but I've seen some churches that have defied the laws that were given to them to not open up, and yet they do it, and that's between them and God. Um, they can do whatever they think that is right for them. I thought about doing that too. It's like, well, we would just do it. We would just open. And then God said, look at my son. That was in the context of that. So I, so I said, what do you mean? So I started reading. Well, I already knew this story. Do you know that most of the time Jesus got to that point where he's, he was like so frustrated with people that he was just going, I mean, he literally got angry a couple times. And do you know that in every instance, it was towards God's people that he was angry? It, it wasn't what the governments or the people that were against him were trying to do. In fact, he had more compassion over them than he did with God's people. When they knew what, what, they, what was going on and they defied it anyway, he got more upset with them than anybody else. And I researched that this morning, and I looked, and I said, yeah, you're right. He did. He rebuked and was angry most of the time at God's people, not the situation that he was in. And one of the things that he showed me was, if you kind of put it in the context of where we are today, let's say they locked the doors of our church and we kick it down, and we hunker down in here, right? Jesus wouldn't have done that. This is what, what I feel. And the reason why I know he wouldn't do that was because when they came to arrest him, when they came to arrest him, he gladly went with them. His disciples did what most of us would probably do. You're not going to take him from us. And one of them tried to cut off you know, getting a sword fight and wasn't very good at it. He nicked the guy's ear and Jesus put it back on. But Jesus said, no, it's okay. It seems very odd and, and counterintuitive that Jesus would rebuke and get more mad at God's people than the ones who were coming to arrest him. But yet that's what Jesus did. Why didn't he fight? Why didn't he fight? Why didn't Jesus put up a fight? Well, you know, I, you know I, I, he didn't do that because he knew that conquering the greatest evil requires a quiet surrender. 
Because when you start just becoming the world by fighting every little thing that you are told you cannot do. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a time for that. I believe there is a time for that. But in this case, the Lord was just impressing upon me. Like, listen, what would it gain you in your scenario if they locked the church up and said, you can't come in here and worship? What would it gain you by barging in here anyway and hunkering down and, and what, what is that going to do for you? What would it have done for Jesus if when they came to arrest him and he could have done anything because Jesus could do anything? He could have just disappeared. He could have gone somewhere else and they couldn't catch him. They, he, he allowed himself to be caught because there was more to the story than what was face value. There was sin that had to be forgiven and this was the way to do it. They had no idea what this was. They probably thought, why is he not resisting? He actually healed the guy that came to arrest him with, when one of them cut his ear off, and, and he healed him before we, he took him. What's going on? It's kind of weird. That started to weigh a lot on my mind and, and just that whole scenario and then thinking of what's going to happen in the church. And Now, I'm not saying the church is going to get locked down. I'm just saying that it has in other places because of the virus. Okay, and I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories with you on, on any of this. It's just not worth it. It's not really worth the effort. So a lot of this weighs on my mind, and, and if we were told to close our doors, we could go to court. You know, we could say, no, we can protest. We can look our, lock ourselves in this building together, protest day and night out front with picket signs and all that. Sure, that would probably make us feel like we're doing something, right? Because the biggest thing is we want to feel like we're doing something. Nobody wants to look like, you know, we're just taking it. You want to feel like you're doing something. It would probably make us feel that way. We're fighting for something and may even draw an attention and possibly get us on the news. You know, you'll be on Fox News or CNN, and this small church in Front Royal, Virginia, is standing their ground in front of their church. It's locked. They're going to protest, and, you know, and it's all okay. I mean, you're, you're doing something. But who, then God said, who's your enemy? Who is your enemy? I said, well, the people. And then he stopped me. He said, what did you say last week? Everybody is a child of God. So you're saying my children are your enemy? It's like, no. That's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm feeling. Who's your enemy? It's the one we call Satan, the devil, etc. Right? He's, he's the one. He's the great deceiver and the master of chaos. He knows how to do this. He knows what he's doing. He's the one who would provoke a response that would further divide, too. He would just, he knows how to just get under our skin and irritate us and such. And yes, even Christians get irritated. I would rather spend my time meeting of the needs, meeting the needs of people in this area and protesting and hunkering down in a church that is locked up. We need to be, continue to do God's work, no matter what happens. I cannot imagine a scenario where if Jesus were here today and something like that happened, that he would instruct the church to hunker down in their building in order to defy, defy any order to disband. I don't expect that he would ever do that. In fact, if, he, if you were the enemy... 
If you were the enemy, where would you want all these Christian people in this situation? Locked up in their church. You can hunker down in your building and think you're protecting something, but I'm telling you right now that if you think the church is your building, you are not doing this right. The reality is a lot of churches are doing this. And I know this gets a little on the edge here, but a lot of churches would rather say, Stand up and say, we need to meet in this building because it's what we do. We worship. This is our church. It's not the church. It's a building. And if we worry so much about being in a building with each other that we forget what, where the real enemy is and what he's trying to do, we're, we're lost already. We might as well just stop right there. This whole situation we are in really has caused a disruption and division, especially in the church. Churches argue all the time. Well, you shouldn't be doing this. Well, you can't. It's like you're, it's like you're rolling over for them. Trust me, I, I, I see this and I hear it. And I tell you, and, and one of the things I just found out yesterday, I don't know if you follow Andy Stanley at all. He, he made an announcement yesterday that they were going to start opening up last week and they, they put it off one week and now he made the decision to not open up at all this year because of the virus. And he said, now, I've already heard from a lot of you. You say, I don't have enough faith. You know, I don't have enough faith in this. And, and I like what he said. He said, listen, it's not about, he said, I have a lot of faith. I have faith that no matter if we're in a building or, or we're gathering in a couple, couple people in their own home, that we can still do the work. In fact, we must continue to do the work without a building, and it's totally fine. So there's division at that level too, and it and this is the enemy, folks. <laughs> he wants it to divide, and he he loves to divide and conquer. And this is how he does it. He gets in, and the church. Well, this church does this. I can't believe they're doing that. I see other churches do things, and I don't agree with it. But I'm never going to say you know, with them. They, they have to answer to God. If God is telling them to do something, do it. But don't start rebuking other churches and everybody else because you think that they're whatever. It's not going to, it's not, it's, it's just division. It's difficult, difficult to navigate and even more difficult if you start leading with emotion instead of wisdom. Because we are all emotional about some of the stuff that's going on or most of us and it comes and goes. But if you lead by that, leading by fear, leading by fear of what others might think, or if, if you look at and make decisions based on what others may think and you try to pick the crowd that you want to please the most, you're already failing. It has to be with wisdom. The other thing that he was saying was, or showed me or, or impressed upon me is that I see a, the greatest revival coming from this. Yeah, amen. Not because people are coming into the building, but because we are being forced outside, out of our comfort zone, where the revival needs to happen in the first place. It's so simple when you look at it that way, but... So I was reading this story, 
And I'll, I'll close with this because it ties it all in for me at least, and hopefully for you it makes sense. I was reading this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. You probably all read that, and there was another instance where he fed even more. In the context of this one, this was right after John the Baptist was beheaded. Sorry, kids, it's just this is some stuff in the Bible that's really tough to hear, but John the Baptist was recently beheaded, and they, the disciples, Jesus had to bury him. And Jesus said, let's get away. Have you ever said that? Let's just, let's just go and just be, and just kind of process all this together. So they had gotten the boat and they, and they floated across the sea. And when they got to the other side, there were 5,000 people there, just standing there. Talk about like the wrong way. They, they, they should have made a left where they made a right. I don't know, but they ended up not secluded, but with 5,000 people there in, in the midst of all their pain and they lost their friend. And even though they know where he is, where he went, there's still that grief. But then it said Jesus had compassion on them. Despite the fact that Jesus' his disciples were very weary and just wanted to just be together, they ministered to these people anyway. And they fed them with just a little bit. You know, this, most of you know the story. A couple of loaves of bread, some, some fish, and they fed everybody and they had more than enough after. And, and that miracle is, is just incredible to even comprehend. First of all, we see how powerful God is and how powerful Jesus is and says that, you know, you only have a little bit, but it's going to be enough for everybody. Plus, you're going to have extra. And all that had happened all of that that had happened and everybody was fed and everybody heard a message from Jesus and it wasn't what they wanted but it ended up being very powerful there were some church people there we call them Pharisees and here's what they said after witnessing everything that happened here's what they said they walked up to Jesus and they said oh you know your disciples didn't wash their hands first. True story. Do you see how we can get so caught up in all of the things that we make out a church or God to be that we miss a blessing and a, an amazing situation where 5,000 people got fed with just a couple of fish and these Pharisees walk up and say, yeah, but you know, we have this law, and you didn't wash your hands first. I feel like that sometimes can be the church. And, and by the way, that hand-washing thing was a ritual that they instituted. It wasn't anything that God demanded of them, but they made a point to say, well, yeah, you fed 5,000 people, but you didn't wash your hands. Now, that, while that may seem like such a little thing, I believe that's where we are, not only in, I, that's where we are in this world. That's where we are with discourse, because no matter what kind of thing you want to celebrate or show somebody or get excited about, somebody's going to say, yeah, but you didn't wash your hands. I couldn't imagine being these guys, these fairies, I couldn't imagine being the fairy, and they were just all guys, sorry. I couldn't imagine being a Pharisee and being that caught up in something like that, that you miss the miracle that just took place. 
And the second piece of that story was the fish and the loaves. I think what God's saying is like, listen, I don't care how many people you have. I can take everything you have and multiply it beyond your wildest dreams. If you want to reach my people and you're in a small building, that doesn't mean you're going to reach a little bit. You're going to reach everything that I have for you. That means if you're not in church and you happen to be home because of this virus that sent us here, whether you believe all of it or not, it doesn't matter. The reality is if we're somewhere else and we can't come to this church and it's just me and my wife or just you by yourself or, and you're in your home, God can take you and multiply you in this community. It doesn't matter. There are no limitations that God has. If he can create, if he can feed 5,000 from a couple fish and loaves, he can do anything. Our God can do anything. And because this was written this morning, I have no way, good way to end it. <laughs> Sorry. Except to say this. It doesn't matter what man tries to do because man cannot change the will of God. We, we can get discouraged. We can get upset with stuff most of us have we can we cannot like some things we can choose to just be defiant and maybe that's part of it but i keep thinking about jesus he said think about what would my he, jesus didn't say what would jesus god didn't say what would jesus do he didn't he didn't come up with that phrase he just said look at my son what what would he do and and again he was more compassionate to those who were trying to hurt and kill him than he was to the ones sitting in the, their, in the, in the, with the Pharisees and complaining about everything. Those are the ones that he couldn't stand because they should know better. Listen, this, we're all sick of this. If you're not, you're weird. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> But th this is just such, it's such a pain. And there's so, many, so much thought we have to have now. And forgetting to bring your mask in, whether you believe masks are going to help or not. I've given up on that. I'm, I don't care. I'll wear a mask. I, I really don't care. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. I, it, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, no, nah, I'm not going to say it. If you think they work, they work. If you don't think they work, they don't work. I mean, that's just how it is. And so whatever you're comfortable with. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Maybe it's good that I stopped there. But listen, I just want to encourage you today that don't let this irritate you so much that it starts causing divisions even in your family. Because I've seen that too. And um don't look at other churches and what they're doing and say, I can't believe they're doing this. Trust me, the Bible's very clear. As a leader of a flock, you are going to be called into greater judgment by God. So if you're not, if you're defying God, I feel bad for anybody that's doing that. In the meantime, you gotta just go with what God has given us. He's given us an opportunity to reach this community, whether we're in a building or not. In fact, it's easier to reach them when we're outside this building. And I think that's the take home here is if we ever get closed down, 
I don't want you protesting this church. I want to rejoice because, wow, what an opportunity we have on Sundays now to go minister to people. Maybe this is, not maybe, there is a good thing that's going to come out of this, a revival like we've never seen if the church holds true to what they are, and that is people of God who want to impact their community because they're going to need you, and they're not going to want to just listen to, you know, the same old, same old from, from us. It's like, oh, I'll pray for you as you're walking by them. Oh, you're hungry, I'll pray that God says some, sends something to you. If you're walking by them and you have some food, give it to them. Literally be out there in a community doing what God wants us to do. So thank you for, hopefully this made some sense. It was, uh, I love when God does, I don't, I don't love it when he does that. I'm glad God does this, but it makes me very uncomfortable. And I had fun stuff to do with PE today too, and I was almost tempted just to keep doing, but it wouldn't. I just couldn't get it off my mind. So next week, though, I'll have to bring my coach's outfit, my uh, my velour jogging suit with a whistle, and we're gonna have fun talking about PE. So I encourage you to come next week. Um, and did I f- anything else? Nope, I always ask my wife because she knows everything and I, I just talk. But listen, I, I thank you all for coming today and we're gonna dismiss a little bit different today. We're gonna have the ushers are gonna come to your section and they're gonna tell you um, when you can leave um, and you can hang out outside. I'm gonna go straight out.